Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight is Caleb Jenks, who is all the way down in Rosebud, Texas. Caleb, I hear it cooled all the way down to the mid-90s today. How does that feel? Yeah, we finally got we got some rain, and it's it's actually... <laughs> I told somebody the other day, I'm pretty sure that uh, heaven is going to be about 65, 68 degrees. That'd be God nice. can't make everyone happy, right? But I'm <laughs> sure it's not going to be 90 or 100 degrees. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, Caleb, tonight you uh, wanted to talk about Israel, the nation of Israel. I don't know why. Yeah. It's pretty I... irrelevant currently. I mean... Really, you don't hear much going on about the nation of Israel or the Jews in general in early November of 2023, other than everyone in America has gone crazy pretty much overnight, including congressmen and senators who decided to publicly come out and support terrorists who are murdering people in their beds. So there's that. And then every state-funded college and university lo and behold are on the wrong side of an issue and they are you know having protests everywhere against who the jews but they're in good company caleb throughout history i mean other rational good intentioned people throughout history are on their side folks like Adolf Hitler, basically skinheads. Let's see, who else? Oh, Satan. He's always had a pretty strong animosity toward the Jews. So uh, yeah, keep sending your folks. Keep sending your kids to college, folks. It's good. Send your kid to a university. They will be on the side of Adolf Hitler and the devil. I'm a little yeah, cynical tonight, how- Caleb. A little bit of cynicism over here in Western Colorado. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how far we've come as a country to get to this point. I, I did not. Yeah. Didn't sure, it just like happen? Didn't it just happen like overnight? Like just a switch was flipped, and all of a sudden there's protests and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't, I didn't see it coming. I did not see this right. anti-Semitism coming, just like that. Just flip the switch. Yeah, if you were a soldier fighting in the world wars and uh, getting the support of your people back home, I don't think that you'd guess that within 100 years or less than 100 years that the whole thing was going to flip on its head and pretty soon everybody was going to – it was going to be the sympathetic, politically correct thing to to do to be anti-Semitic here in the u.s so so i'm gonna tell you what i'm gonna tell you what i did now this is really not that big of a deal because i live in western colorado and let's face it there's not a real you know big strong jewish presence out here but i did call uh some of my friends who are jews and i said uh i didn't know how to phrase it so i was like uh look can you get with all your people and uh just let them know that I am more than happy to give everyone free firearms training. 
I'm a certified NRA instructor. I've taught basic pistol, basic rifle, basic shotgun, personal protection in the home. I've taught lots and lots of classes. I've been doing it for years. And uh, you're going to get free training. So uh, you and all your Hebrew friends and their families, you know, and I'll help them go to the store and pick out a gun. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. So that was my little uh, response to all the anti-Semitic protests going on in America is I'm going to make sure all the Jews in Western Colorado, which again is not many, all of them are going to be as well armed as I can, as I can make them. So there you go. Yeah. So actually I got online to try to figure out exactly what it takes to join the IDF and yeah it's not easy uh, you know, first solved, of all you got to be an israeli citizen <laughs> right yeah and i haven't solved the the i've got to i've got to find a jewish rabbi so if, if you get anybody that's watching this ha, has a jewish rabbi that um, i could pay to sign off on your <laughs> orthodox judaism so yeah. that you can, yeah, you and your family can Jew, move to so israel I figure there's probably about, I don't know, six out of 10 of them that would be willing to do it. If you, if you could show Mm -hmm. not your, not your, uh, orthodox beliefs, but if you could show your ability to eliminate terrorists, I think Mm -hmm. they would probably be happy to sign (laughs) off on it. If you're willing to go over there and be cannon fodder in their war, (laughs) you know, Caleb, I've bribed, uh, officials in the past to get a signature, (laughs) On official right. documents uh, presented to the government, so I, I wouldn't be opposed to doing it again. Especially, if, I think that would be. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious and it'd be fun. I mean, it would it would honestly be enjoyable to get over there. I mean, get to see the Middle East and uh, mm-hmm. go over there and take out a few of the guys that had gone into homes and murdered a bunch of people. I, I, as a, as a Christian, I think that that's I think that's a good Christian reason. <laughs> yeah. No, this is good. This is a good start. This is a good start to the podcast across the board. This is, this is Christian. All right. Uh, Caleb. So where do you, where do you want to start? Let's, let's get into this. Uh, You wanted to talk about the nation of Israel. I'm guessing we're going to talk about their history and possibly their future as far as prophecy in the Bible and what we think all this, you know, nonsense over there in the middle East is all about. Am I right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that was my thought. Is every, everyone? I, I even have quite a few Christian friends that mm-hmm. are appalled by the war, and that are in what uh, way sympathizing? They're sympathizing with the Don't fact say that it. supposedly the Palestinians oh have a right to return to their homeland, and that Israel is occupying the original uh-huh. land, the original Palestine, Palestine, Palestine state. That belonged. You seriously do. Time. You do not have Christian oh, yes. friends that believe that. You okay. gotta I don't be know kidding if I me. Call them friends. I have. I have friends on Facebook. Okay, uh-huh. that, that term on Facebook. Okay. can be thrown around a bit sure. loosely. Okay. okay. Of my of my more than I don't know fifteen hundred friends on Facebook twenty yeah. five hundred I'm not sure I think I'm up to eight. There are there are there are a few <laughs> there are a few liberal um, left left wing or mm-hmm. um i'm not sure what you would call them but they still put themselves under the category of christians okay. that are on the boycott israel israel is the occupier we need to stand with the the victims 
in this situation, <laughs> which is the pal- the innocent pal- innocent Palestinians mm-hmm. that have a right to return to their to their God given homeland. And I'm just like, <laughs> if you knew anything about your Bible, mm-hmm. this is not. Uh, this was not Palestine. It is not their homeland. And so I was just thinking, hey, it's it's worth getting on here and talking about. It. I'm not. Do I don't you, consider myself a hist- history expert or uh-huh. a biblical expert, but it, it doesn't take it doesn't take too many pages of scripture to thumb through to find that God promised this to okay. the nation of Israel. Do you want me to briefly cover the history of Israel because I happen to yeah. be a biblical scholar and uh, a historical <laughs> expert on on the Middle East? Okay, so yeah, go for it. Okay, so here's what happened. Go to Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. And Caleb, if you have a way to copy and paste that and throw it up in the comments or something, that would be wonderful for everyone to see. I can put it on the screen. I am going to show everybody into the screen here as well. Okay, so what was the reference again? Um, there we go. Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. Okay, so we put up a map here. So I want to read this. This is God's covenant with Abraham. This is after the flood in the days of Noah, after the Tower of Babel, and basically before all the rest of human history. So what we read is, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given thee, uh, I'm sorry, unto thy seed have I given this land. He was standing in Canaan land at the time. From the river Egypt unto the great river the river Euphrates. So God gave the land to Abram and his descendants, and he did not give Abraham and his descendants the land that Israel currently possesses. If you look at the map, this is the this is the land that God gave to Abraham. He gave Abraham the land from the Nile River in Egypt, so from the headwaters all the way flowing. Now, the Nile River flows north up into the Mediterranean. So from the headwaters of the Nile River all the way over to uh, right in the top of the Persian Gulf is where the Euphrates River dumps out into the Persian Gulf. And you follow the Euphrates River all the way up. And what you do is you cover a good portion of Egypt, the Sinai Peninsula, the northern, I don't know, uh, one-third of Saudi Arabia, part of Kuwait, half of Iraq, most of Syria, and all of Jordan, Lebanon, and part of Turkey. That was the land that God gave to Abraham, not the little sliver that the Jews currently possess in the Middle East. God gave him all of that land. Okay, that's what he said. Then what happened was in 586 BC, the Babylonians uh, surrounded Jerusalem. They laid siege to the city and they took away thousands of slaves. 70 years later, the Jews came back to their homeland uh, after they were released by what was then the Persian Empire because the Persians took over the Babylonians while the Jews were captive there. And then for the next 500 years, the Jews lived in Israel while the Persians ruled until the Greeks defeated them. After that, the Romans ruled the world from about 30 BC through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And around 66 to 70 AD, uh, what you had was Israel revolting against the Roman government. So by 70 AD, the Romans had had enough of dealing with the Jews. They laid siege to Jerusalem. They leveled the city, destroyed the second temple, 
And the Jews fled their homeland in every direction. They winded up in Egypt and Russia and present-day Europe. And in 135 AD, the Romans renamed the land after one of the ancient enemies of Israel, the Philistines. So in 70 AD, the Romans uh, sacked Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. The Jews fled. Uh, The revolt continued for a little while. The Romans ultimately were victorious, and the Jews uh, dispersed throughout all the world. In 135 AD, they renamed the land after the enemy of the Jews, the Philistines. That is where the name Palestine comes from. The Romans named the land of Judea, formerly Canaan land, uh, Palestina. And the enemies of Israel named the Jewish homeland after one of the Jews' enemies in in an attempt to eradicate the Jews from history. That's where it came from. Now, since that time, just to bring you up to present, okay, the Persians captured Jerusalem again. Uh, The Catholics during the Crusades captured Jerusalem in 1099. Uh, A sultan of Egypt conquers Jerusalem in 1187, 1244. uh, The Catholics conquer or uh, get Jerusalem back again. In 1250, the Muslim caliph... um, Uh, He pretty much dismantled the walls of Jerusalem and the population declined drastically. And it was, you know, not really populated much at all for a long time. In 1517, the Ottoman Empire captures Jerusalem. Uh, We find out later that Mark Twain in 1869, uh, when he was traveling the world, talks about Israel and the the capital city, Jerusalem, which, keep in mind, it was not, you know, it was not Jerusalem. It was not held by the Jews, obviously, at that time. It only had, I think, 14,000 people in it. Uh, And it wasn't until the last part of the 19th century that the Arab population started growing again. In 1917, the British captured Jerusalem in World War I. And then in 1948, the nation of Israel is reestablished. Now, one thing you're not going to notice is that in all of world's history, uh, there was never a group named the Palestinians, and they did not live in the nation of Israel. What we find is there was never there was never a military. There was never a nation. There was never. No. So to to give you an idea, named that on a map. You got it. So there has never been a Palestinian nation throughout all of world's history. By birth, religion, culture, and language, they are Arab. That is it. Okay, now, this group that calls themselves the Palestinians are not allowed to go to Egypt. They're not allowed to go to Jordan. They're not allowed to go to Syria. All of these countries, they don't. They don't want them there. They've taught, they've said they are not allowed to be there because any time this group has gone to any nation, a war breaks out and terrorist activity starts. So it's complete nonsense, this idea. I, I won't even, I won't call that region Palestine. I won't talk about a Palestinian people because they don't exist. Throughout all of history, they've never right. existed. They're just Arabs. That's it. 
Okay, just like the same Arabs that are filled up in Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Lebanon and, you know, all over the Middle East. Okay. Which the funny thing about the the plight of the Palestinians that you hear of, Mm -hmm. you know, how they're so oppressed, they literally have the Arabs have, if you look at that map that you have up on the screen right now, yeah, they have they have ninety nine percent of the area, probably more than ninety nine percent of the area. They the Arabs have all the land mm-hmm. and they want to get rid of Israel as well. So they, they aren't happy with having 99% of it. They have to have the rest of it as well. And so, but of course they're the victims, even though Israel is completely surrounded by them and they have plenty of places to go. Mm-hmm. They have to send the, they have to send all the funding and the worst of their terrorists to be the victims. And, and they've trained them and radicalized them there for years, such that you just have this little encampment of, radicalized not not all arabs are as as radicalized as what you find with hamas Mm -hmm. yeah so hamas is a terrorist organization they have been considered uh, a terrorist organization by their own writings and also by uh, the united states and the united nations uh hamas um and uh and who's the other group uh hamas hezbollah. and hezbollah are 100 percent terrorist organizations uh, they are the ones that still celebrate the the anniversary of 9-11 by dancing in the street and burning american flags uh they are the ones that everywhere uh they go uh they're the ones that um kill uh innocent people in order to try to you know um push their agenda uh forward uh hamas a u.s designated terrorist organization since 1997 you know has been committing atrocities and war crimes everywhere they go and they just happen to currently attack ready for this wait for it the one country where they have sanitation and clean water where they are allowed to own land they are allowed to vote where their daughters are allowed to be educated beyond the third grade where women can start a business and get a driver's license where women can go out into public and go shopping without fear of being beaten in the streets publicly by the morality police that's that's the oppression that they are under in Israel. Well, and it's so the IDF mm-hmm. is supposedly the the oppressors, right? The Israel they're the agents of of the state of Israel that is the, the military force there. Well, supposedly let, oppressing them. Real quick, well, define they, IDF okay, for all of your Facebook friends, Israel, your low information is, uh, Facebook friends. The Israeli Israel Defense, Defense Force. Okay, it's. It's the Israeli military. Yeah. So they, if you are an Arab in Israel and you want to go to the mosque, you're going to have IDF soldiers standing guard to protect you from terrorist attacks. They're the ones that are policing and giving the freedom to go in and and the freedom of religion to allow the Arabs to go into these these mosques and these uh, holy holy sites that they that they've set up supposedly holy sites and if it wasn't for uh they've had terrorists i mean the terrorists attack indiscriminately in israel 
So Hamas will kill Arabs, Israeli Arabs. They'll kill anyone that they can possibly get their hands on to kill. So the only the only force that's protecting and and protecting the freedom of religion for for the Muslims in Israel is the IDF. There's Arab uh, Arabs that are in the IDF. You can be a Muslim if you're a, a citizen of Israel and join the and join the military. Let me add to that. If I, yeah, you are correct. You are correct. And if you are an Arab who lives in Israel and you have a desire to serve your country, which is Israel, and you join the IDF, you will never be asked to be in an armed conflict against other Arabs. Hmm. So that you never have to feel that you are killing your own people. That's interesting. So anyways, yeah, they're, they're supposedly the oppressors and yet it's the only, the only, I mean, they protect freedom for people they disagree with in, in the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. but supposedly they're the, they're the oppressor. And it's, it's interesting. So you, you mentioned how they were celebrating, uh, Hezbollah and Hamas and other terrorist organizations have, have been, uh, parading and, and celebrating in the streets and that's gone on since, and I don't know if there's, I'm going to delve into something somewhat controversial spiritually here. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if there is some sort of a, a demonic or, or spiritual oppression that's kind of over that region, mm-hmm. uh, where they, where the people are living there in, in Gaza now. Uh, but if you read in the old Testament, apparently we had the Philistines that used to live there that were, that were behaving somewhat similarly to, to what we're seeing, seeing now. And I was, I was, I came across this verse recently and I, I just thought this was kind of interesting. So um, if you remember the story where uh, David had his friendship with uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, mm-hmm. and Saul and Jonathan go into battle with the, Philistine, the Philistines and they're getting slaughtered. Fall, uh, Saul falls on his sword. I'm not sure if that was suicide or if, or if he was, I think he was injured in battle and then he f- fell on his sword and somebody com- comes along uh, which the thing that's kind of ironic about the guy that comes along uh, and ends up running Saul through is that he was an Amalekite, which shouldn't, I don't know why he was even hanging out with the Philistines, mm-hmm. uh, but he was an Amalekite that, that that came and actually killed Saul. Well, God had told Saul to kill the Amalekites before that, and Saul had disobeyed, left some of them alive. And so then it was one of them that comes comes back to kill Saul. Uh, but when this when this Amalekite comes and tells David that Saul was dead, that he had run him run him through with the sword after Saul had asked him to, in Second Samuel uh, chapter one verse twenty, this is what David said. He said, "Tell it not in Gath, publish it not in the streets of Ascalon." lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Um, so it's interesting that David knew that the people that lived in this area were going to rejoice in the streets, much like they are now. And then there was another verse that I came across as well, uh, where God had told the prophet Isaiah uh, to warn the people that lived in Gaza against, uh, against rejoicing with the, let's see, where is this? Um, I don't actually have, I have the 
the I have the text copied, but I did not text. I did not copy down the reference here. Uh, it says, "Rejoice, rejoice now, not thou, whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice." I guess that's how you say that. And his fruit shall be a fire, fiery flying serpent. Um, I'll find this reference here in a second. <laughs> so that's a reference. Again Caleb Jenks, same, ladies and gentlemen, same. Caleb Jenks. <laughs> yeah, at my best. I have, the, I have the verse, but not the reference. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so as far as the nation of Israel goes... We talked a little bit about the history for a minute or two. The future of the nation of Israel is exciting because for the Lord Jesus to come back, several events need to be in motion. Now, let me give you the quick timeline here, okay? And I understand that when we're talking about eschatology, which is biblical end times, everyone has a different opinion. And we like to write off anyone that's not, you know, on our side and call them crazy. But here is the order of events at some point. We have what the Lord calls the second coming, which is going to be the rapture. Jesus comes back and takes his bride home to heaven with him. There is going to be a period on earth that is seven years long, which Jesus called the time of Jacob's trouble. During that seven-year period, there is going to be the rise of a key character in the Bible that we call the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to stand up in the temple, that temple in Jerusalem, the Jews' temple, and he's going to stand up in the Holy of Holies, and he is going to cause the sacrifices to stop, and he's going to tell everybody, you need to worship me because I am God. Now, What's wrong with that story right now, Caleb? Why can that story not happen today? Uh, there's no temple. There is no temple. So what we know is that sometime after the rapture, we have the seven-year period. And by the middle of that seven-year period, the Antichrist is going to stand up in the middle of the temple and cause the sacrifices to stop. So that means that sometime prior to the middle of that seven-year period, there needs to be the construction of and the implementation of sacrifices in the third temple. Temple number one was built by Solomon, King David's son. It was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. Then we read about Nezra and Nehemiah going back, rebuilding the city and the wall and the temple and that was the second temple, and that temple stood all the way up through the time of Christ. Jesus, as a baby, was dedicated at that temple, and that temple existed when Jesus was crucified, uh, buried, and then when he rose again. And about 30, 35 years after the death of Christ, the Romans destroyed that second temple in 70 AD. Titus Vespasian, who was a general he was not a Caesar yet. He ended up becoming Caesar shortly after that. His father died. He became um, a Caesar. He laid siege to the city of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And there has not been a temple in Jerusalem since that time. 
But the Bible tells us that in the end times, there is going to be a temple and it will be desecrated. And for those of you who are like me, who believe we are not preterists, we don't think that all happened already, but we believe that is to come in the future, we are excited whenever there is big turmoil in the Middle East, okay, understand, purely for the sake of eschatology. I'm not excited that people die. I'm not excited about war. Don't. I know there's going to be some moron out there that's going to misunderstand. I am excited because today in America, today is the most exciting time that you could be alive if you are a Bible-believing Christian because there are things that the Bible says has to happen before the Lord's return, sometimes shortly after the Lord's return, and it looks like everything is lining up for those times. Now, I am not rooting for war. I'm not rooting for loss of life. But the fact is, the Bible says there are going to be some wars, some very specific ones. And guess who's at the center? The nation of Israel. They are the ones that are going to be attacked. There's going to be a couple big conflicts. Don't worry. Israel comes out on top. But that's the reason that when we see attacks like this, and we see these attacks supported by a very large, powerful country that is named in the Bible and named in Bible and times, which is Elam, which is Persia, and we know them today as Iran. Okay, Iran. The, this Persian state of Iran. Iran is not full of Arabs, they are Persians. They speak Farsi. They have a completely different history. They're a different group of people. Do not tell an Iranian that he is Arab. He will be very offended. He is a Persian. And Iran is backing Hamas. This is a big deal. Because what does Iran have that a lot of those in Hamas don't have? And no, I don't mean pots and pans. Okay, <laughs> Iran has, they are roughly less than nine months away from being a nuclear power. That's not Patrick Hayes talking. That is the Department of Defense and the NSA. That is what we are being told, is that Iran, who backs Hamas, who is attacking Israel and is currently at war with Israel, Iran is a nuclear power. Hey, Caleb, let me ask you, if Iran had a nuclear weapon out of all the countries in the world, who do you think they're going to use their nuclear weapon on? They'll probably, I don't know who they plan to use it on. I, I'm guessing they'll test it on Israel. Yeah. <laughs> and they plan to use it in other places. Yeah, we uh, could they'll, only they'll hope. Test it, test it on Israel for mostly peaceful. If they're <laughs> going to test it, let's just hope and pray they test it on Washington, D.C. So America stands a chance of lasting another hundred years. But <laughs> Iran is going to use their nuclear weapon against Israel. And guess what, folks? That nuclear conflict is talked about in the Bible. It's talked about in Ezekiel chapter 39. There's a nuclear war. Again, it does not go well for Iran. If And I don't know that it's Iran. Okay, that's an assumption. I, I don't think 
the Bible is that specific, although people like you know, picking sides and saying who it's going to be. I don't know for a fact, but I believe it's going to be Iran, or at least I believe it's going to be an Iranian nuclear weapon that is talked about in Ezekiel 39. Caleb, you have the floor. I don't know if I just confused everyone or helped or, or what. No, that's, um, I think that you, I think you got it. So the, the so, interesting thing about this now, is real, that real from, quick, real quick. Like you just, no, 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 wait. Sorry. If any Iranian government officials are listening, I want to strongly encourage that you test your first nuclear weapon on Washington, D.C. Okay. I would like every politician in the federal government to be there at a convention and you just kill them all at the same time. Okay, that is, you're going to, I mean, talk about two birds with one stone. Okay, I don't know if we can make it happen, but, you know, here, here's to hope. Okay, that would just, oh. You, you'd like them to do that before they before they launch one at northern Israel, as is prophesied. And they yeah, 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 yeah. Before Ezekiel 39 takes place. I'm just saying, if you if there is an area of the world that needs to be turned into a nuclear fallout wasteland never to be inhabited again, I think it's Washington, D.C. I think that is going to help just every American on so many levels. I maybe I'm maybe I'm by myself here, Caleb. That's okay. I mean, that's why some of my listeners come to the Bible Thumper podcast is to get a different point of view. Your thoughts? Uh, that's, no, that's good. Uh, you, you don't have any more? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to make really good promo clips for the podcast. So I carry on as long as you want. So I think there is I a think Tom Clancy novel. I don't remember the name of it, but was it was one of the greatest books I've ever read in my life. And it was like by the third page, a bomb was dropped on um, the Capitol building. The Senate, the Congress, the president, like everybody was there. And it was so great because they were all just poof, vaporized in one second. And then the whole story was about this one guy who was a real, you know, serious, tough guy, had a military background. He was a no-nonsense guy, you know, and he was the designated survivor during that situation to take over as president. Anyway, it was like you didn't even have to get five pages into the book, and, like, it was already one of my all-time favorite novels just because of the way it started. I was thinking, wow, that would solve some problems. Okay, now I'm done. Yeah, so be, so before Iran fulfills biblical prophecy, mm -hmm. nukes or tries to nuke Israel. Yeah, lobs one off to the. From what I understand, it'll be the northern part of Israel. There, it'll get hit, mm -hmm. and then Israel is probably going to retaliate, and it's not going to go so well for Iran. So while they still have some nukes in their mm -hmm. stockpile, they should clean up Washington D.C. Yeah, so that's the official statement. That from is the uh, you... PR department from the Bible Thumper. <laughs> podcast we're asking the iranian government for a favor that's what we're doing yeah exactly before they before they get demolished yeah <laughs> so it's so um the there's this there's this thing in in uh, old testament history mm -hmm. the year of jubilee so there's this 50 year 50 year pattern that goes on and the interesting thing about this recent attack on on the 
state of Israel by Hamas is that it was actually 50 years to the day from the day that the Yom Kippur war had started. Really? So the exactly 50 years to the day. It was the, I believe, the first Sabbath in October or the second sab- Sabbath in October, 50 years to the day. Um, not that that's, I mean, I'm not sure, but there's a lot of prophecies that have um, these re- re- recurring things that go on 50 years to the day after. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, somebody just commented and said that Washington, D.C. area idea is right on. Yeah, we got some smart listeners on uh, watching the Bible Thumper podcast uh, this on evening. YouTube, there's at least there's at least one, there's at least one level-headed individual left in the world, in, in all of Christendom. <laughs> it's good to see that we got some comments rolling in. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. Anyways, so here in, in Psalm 140, mm-hmm. the... First chapter says, "Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man." So that that word there, the the original Hebrew word there is actually Hamas or Hamas, however you however you say that in the back of your throat. Mm-hmm. Um, the so the word Hamas actually it's an acronym, but it it is it's ironic that it actually uh, shows up in the Bible as well. What's the verse you're in again? Psalm what? One forty, verse one. Uh, and so it goes on. It says, "Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man." Um, and then Psalm eighty-three, it says, "Keep that, keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may no more be in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarenes, which I believe that would be modern day uh, Jordan. That would have been Ammon. Uh, Ammon is now Jordan. Gebel and Ammon and, and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, which that is now Lebanon and Gaza. The Philistines would have been in Gaza. Um, Syria is also joined with them, and they have helping the children of Lot. These places, uh, I've not done enough research to find all of them, but my kids and I were going through some Bible studies on this, and of course, these are all the nations that are still currently surrounding Israel. It's the same. It's the same nations that are all rising up right now. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch. I like, like, like Patrick said here. It's yeah. fun to watch fun. biblical. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's okay. So I hate turning on the news and just seeing the same old political garbage every day. When I woke up and I saw that there was war breaking out in Israel, I was like, "Hmm, this is worth tuning into." <laughs> So obviously, obviously, I don't, I, I don't think we should glory in the suffering of of God's people or or anyone. Mm-hmm. But when you start seeing things that are aligning with um, biblical events, the same kind of things that we saw happening uh, back then, and and the fact that, uh, so you mentioned there was that there's the the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Now the until 1948, there was no chance of there being 
a Jewish state of there being a temple. There has to be a Jewish state in order for there to be a temple, right? Because otherwise, sure. I mean, obviously somebody's got to keep the Arabs from coming in and knocking it down or somebody from knocking it down. So to see uh, 1948, uh, the the nations come, you know, the day that they announce their independence, the day that they become a, a state, Israel or Egypt attacks, everybody else attacks. Then later we have several wars and these wars, it's really interesting to look back and see, even though I would, I would consider Israel currently to be more of a secular, the IDF and their, and their goals right now is more of a secular military force. There's, it's not like everybody there is religious Jews, but for some reason you still see these miracles happening where God is on their side. So it's fun watching it's fun watching them go to war and watching people try to try to beat them because it never works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It seems like every time, every time that somebody attacks Israel, they come out on top and end up with more land at the end of the deal. And then of course they're upset and then they, 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 they keep launching these little attacks. So I'm, I'm eager to see this, this thing kind of unfold and see what happens with it because I see that it's, I see it as a spiritual biblical war and not just as a, like if I heard that there was an attack in South Africa, there was a terrorist attack in South South Africa, it would suck. Sure. And I'd be like, oh yeah, that stuff happens, right? <laughs> but this gets my attention because, like you said, it is it is uh, biblical prophecy. I have a okay. So Daniel Daniel chapter ten. You were talking about uh, Persia there and. Uh, that being modern day Iran, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel chapter 10, uh, starting here at verse one, it says in the, in the third year of Cyrus, King of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel was mourning three full weeks ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the gold of Euphaz. His body was like the barrel, and his face was the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and feet like the color of polished brass. And the words of his voice the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, where the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled and hid themselves. Therefore I was alone and saw the, this great vision, and there I remained. There remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then I was in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me on my, my knees and the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee and stand upright. For unto thee I am now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter day, for yet the vision is for many days. So 
this every time that I've read this in in Daniel, this has always been this has really st- stood out to me that there was a battle among angels or fallen angels, demons that were there's apparently a prince of Persia. And I don't believe from what I understand, unless God chains up angels and puts them into the pit of hell, mm-hmm. they are these are not they don't die out after a generation. So these guys are still around today unless God intervenes. So the Prince of Persia is a is a demonic force, is a demon that is over Iran. And from or from what, what I understand is is kind of assigned to that region of of the earth. And I'm guessing is still to this day. So the fact that in order for a messenger of of God to come and visit Daniel to give him this this message, there had to be this little war, which kind of to me is somewhat symbolic of of things that are going to happen in the last days as well. But for there to be this 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 battle between these angels in order for and maybe I'm wrong on this, you can correct me. But for the, that to to happen, then is a very remarkable supernatural event that tells me that. God and Satan are still, there's still this conflict over the nation of Israel. And it's not just a natural conflict, but it's a supernatural conflict. It's something that's going on that similar to, I mean, we don't get the glimpses of things like this happening behind the scenes too often, but here's a situation. And obviously we had a situation in, in the situation where Job, where Satan comes to God and, and wants Job, wants to tempt Job. And that whole scenario kind of plays out. And so it's it's kind of interesting how there's I mean it's it's almost like Satan has these chess pieces that he's moving around, and he's he's got his plan that he's trying to unfold, and, and obviously we get a, a glimpse through Scripture into what's into what's happening, and and now when I t- turn on the news and I see this going on in Israel, it's like wow this is this is no ordinary conflict this is this is a spiritual war. You know, Caleb, I would go ahead and <clears throat> just say that. Every war against the nation of Israel since they became a nation in 48 has been a spiritual war. You got to remember that all of the enemies of the nation of Israel are spiritual enemies. If you go down, if you follow the Bible, you find out that the devil was attacking all of mankind, trying to corrupt, pollute, and destroy all of mankind from the time of the Garden of Eden up through the time that God called Abram and said, you are going to be the father of my children. You are the man that many nations will come out of. From that time on, the devil focused his attack on Abraham and his household and the people from Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob becoming the nation of Israel. Because the devil knew that Messiah was going to come from Abraham. And then what you find is that after we find out through prophecy that Messiah is going to come from the tribe of Judah, all of a sudden the focus was to attack the tribe of Judah. When we find that the from the tribe of Judah, it was going to come from the family of Jesse, the father of King David, then all of a sudden the attack again was focused because the devil was trying to kill the family that was going to bring forth Messiah. After Messiah came, was crucified, and then rose from the dead, then the devil only had one more option, and that was to destroy the nation of Israel. 
And that is because the nation of Israel is still found to have prophecies that need to be fulfilled throughout eschatology. During the biblical end times, Israel still has a role. And because of that, the devil is still trying to kill all the Jews. Caleb, there is absolutely no reason for Adolf Hitler, when he starts to lose the war, he does not do what every general in every war has done. You pull all your troops back to the capital and you try to defend that one location. Instead, he gives his final order, which is carry out the final solution, kill all the Jews. That is insane. There is no earthly reason for that to happen. It was because it was a demonic attack on the Jews. And still today, Caleb, out of the entire Middle East, there is one country, one that has no oil in it. You want to guess which one it is? Israel. Israel has no oil. Why on earth does anyone want that land? The piece of land is smaller than the state of New Jersey. There is no significant reason to take that land. No country benefits. Caleb, furthermore, after the Romans kicked the Jews out and the entire nation of Israel was not really occupied, it wasn't a big, important area for commerce, it wasn't a big, important area for natural resources, it was just desert land. And, and for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, it was just a desert wasteland. Any, any nation could have moved in at any time and taken it. The only right. city that was fought over was Jerusalem, and it was because of its religious significance. There was no benefit to the nation of Israel and their land until the Jews went back there. Yep, yeah, no, then they all want it. Then they all want it. It is absolutely yeah, was, a demonic attack. Yeah, there was during that period of time, there was a, a, a few settlers and, and there was Christians, Jews, a few Muslims. Um, but yeah, it was it was not it, it wasn't seen like anybody that went there saw it as there's not much potential here. The land yep. wasn't a highly coveted area. And it so something that's interesting there is. So if it is a demonic force that forces that is causing people to, to rise up against Israel, if Satan doesn't like God having his people in the land that he promised them and seeing that plan come forth, uh, then it's interesting now that we can have people that feel like that the virtuous thing to do is to stand against Israel in wanting the, the Palestinians to have, to have their supposed homeland back. When you look at the, if you look at the statements that are made by the people that live in, in Gaza, by Hamas, so Hamas is in charge. Uh, they, they, they were not, voted in by the people of Gaza, right. just to make sure we're all clear right. about that. So they, they, they are the, they are the government now. It's a terrorist organization, but they're, they're, founding documents, whatever you call it, their uh, 
constitution, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I've read it off of the off of the internet. You can get on there and find all these wonderful things. They not only do they believe in eliminating the Jewish people from the land of Israel, they they believe that if anyone tries to make peace with a Jew or for there to be a, a two state solution, like is sometimes talked about, that it is anybody that tries to make peace with a Jew is a traitor and should be killed. So it's it's against there there's no there is no peace plan that's ever going to work with them. They're they're this the, the nonsense about them talking like hold well, on just get hold on Caleb land. hold on yeah, hold ahead. on hold on. I gotta disagree because Yasser okay. Arafat, the leader of the PLO, the Palestinian Liber- Liberation Organization, which was in charge before Hamas, yes. He was given the Nobel Peace Prize. Right. So I have trouble believing, Caleb, that these people were not looking for peace. And if you give me a second, I can I can call up hell. And if I can get Yasser Arafat to stop screaming in pain from the flames and darkness for just a minute, maybe we could ask him. <laughs> about yeah, about, about his, his Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize that right. was given to one of the biggest leaders of terrorism in my lifetime. <laughs> the guy that yeah, so said that's the nonsense that goes yeah. on. Yes, yes, that's the nonsense that goes on. It's so supposedly the, the 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 U.S. Okay, by and large, the U.S. has on paper supported the nation of Israel. And, we were one of the and, first ones that came and I, out. I and should said, we wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I should just clear it up. Yeah, go ahead. If I actually had the ability to call up hell okay. and talk to Yasser Arafat, and he could be relieved of the torment and flames for just a moment to take the call, I would not call him because I wouldn't okay. want him to have even a moment of reprieve. <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue. But he would he would thank the U.S. politicians that helped that helped him get that yeah peace prize. He said that peace with Israel was when Israel was in pieces. He said when we push them into the sea, we will have peace with Israel. He said when there was no more state of Israel, then we will be at peace with Israel. I think he said, so I think that was, ex, I think that was part of his acceptance speech for the Nobel Peace Prize. And still you had all these idiots. Oh, right. oh, wow. I just touched by all of that peacefulness. <laughs> so sorry, you were making so Gen- a point. Yeah. So Genesis 12, mm-hmm. when God promises this to, to Israel, he says, now, or to, to Abraham, he says, now, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And that shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So that's a promise of a uh, prophecy of Christ there. So all the families of the earth have been blessed through the seed of Abraham, which is Christ. Mm-hmm. But it also says that God will bless anyone that blesses Israel and they, and he will curse anyone that curses Israel. So as a Christian, 
Bible-believing person, I believe that any nation that is opposing and cursing Israel is cursed by God. So yep. that includes all these Arab nations that are around Israel that want to see the destruction of Israel. Um, that would include uh, the people of Gaza that are, I, I mean, I, I believe that God God curses those that curse Israel. So I do not believe that God blesses them. So as a Christian, why would I want to take the side of the person that God is cursing? Mm -hmm. Why would I, why would I want to take sides against Israel when that means if I take sides against Israel, that God is going to curse me too, right? Oh, yeah. He blesses me if I bless Israel and yes. curses me if I curse them. Yep. So as a American Christian to consider even for a moment, taking the side of the, the poor, uh, the poor, innocent civilians that are bombing and lobbing <laughs> lobbing mortars across and going in and beheading children in israel mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 kind of it's crazy to me to see how quick the tables turned on it i mean when you first wake up and you hear the news of the terrorist attack obviously everybody's like oh that's terrible but then as soon as israel starts to fight back to protect their their nation all of a sudden everybody's everybody is sympathizing with the palestinians so and and the u.s i believe that god has blessed america partly because we have stood with Israel, um, but we've done a really, really poor job of it, specifically recently, under almost every U.S. president that I can remember. They've asked Israel to whittle away another piece of their very small territory and give it away because they had this starry-eyed idea that they were going to somehow, that everybody's going to lay down their guns if they just get a few more miles of yeah. Israel, you know. There will be, there, there, they, we promise, we promise on a handshake that if you give us if, if you give us, you know, another thousand acres of Israel that we'll all lay down our guns, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And so this is, this, this is uh, until President Trump, that was actually the first really in my lifetime, the first pro-Israel president that I've seen. Everyone, uh, everyone has tried to get Israel to give up more of their land. And now we have politicians both on the left and the right that are standing up saying, oh, yes, we stand with Israel. We want to support, you know, support Israel and signing these bipartisan bills and i'm just like yeah watch out they're gonna they're gonna give you money on the front and then try to stab you in the back as soon as you turn around and get you to give up some more of your land uh, that's just what the way it, these peace peace deals always go it seems like uh, but we I, I don't i don't the the only thing that i would recommend to the nation of israel is to go ahead and restore it back to the biblical the biblical map where, where God had promised them their land, go ahead and, and go for it. If they're going to attack you, fight back and go ahead and just take the rest of the land that was rightfully yours. And, and historically, this has always, Israel has always been a Jewish state. This is not just a biblical myth or something that Christians believe or Jews believe. It's it's recorded in, in secular history as well, that the Jews have always, throughout history, I mean, they've been dispersed from time to time and come back, but it Israel has never been a land that belonged to anyone else other than the Jews. There was different occupiers that came in, but it was never an Arab state. It's always been the the state of the state of Israel was, was promised by God to the Jews and it still is to this day. Yeah, Caleb, I'm 100% with you. Um we know that the Jews are going to get the entire piece of land that was promised to them. I don't know when that's going to happen. But again, folks, you know, just because if anyone has joined us recently, let's, uh, oops, let's just show this again. So here's the map. 
is there anyone out there watching that thinks that Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, parts of Turkey, you know, parts of Kuwait, do you th- is there anyone that thinks that those countries are just going to sign over the land to the Jews? No. They all hate the Jews. Do you know that you're not allowed to enter Saudi Arabia as a Jew? Do you know that? Do you know that they would stop you or I if we had a stamp and our passport from Israel? We are not allowed to go over to Saudi Arabia and work there and bring a Bible. These countries do not like, do not tolerate the nation of Israel. They hate them. So for this piece of land to work out the way that God explained something massive. There's going to be a a big disruption somehow, some way for this to take place. So when we see the nation of Israel going to war and possibly pulling in other nations to the conflict, this is what makes us think, oh boy, you know, is this it? Is this the time when, we're really going to start to see some crazy things uh, take place because the Bible talks about them. So with that, I also agree with you, Caleb, about what Genesis, um, oh, was it chapter 18 or 19 said about uh, the blessings and the curses for those who follow, uh, or I'm sorry, for those who support uh, the nation of Israel. The big thing Christians have to... chapter 12. Chapter 12, boy, I was way off. Uh, Chapter 18 was another covenant um, that Abraham and God had. There's one thing that Christians need to realize in America. Your Messiah, Jesus, is Jewish. His family's Jewish. That doesn't change. You can't be anti-Semitic as a Christian, right? It's absolute nonsense. Now, don't get me wrong. There have been plenty of stupid groups through the years that have been anti-Semitic and claim that they're Christian, you know, and these, these groups usually hate the Jews so much that, you know, they want them destroyed, but it's nonsense. You're not fooling anyone. For us, we are supposed to not only love Messiah, we are supposed to try to act like Messiah, who was and is and lived his whole life acting Jewish because he grew up in the nation of Israel. He was from the tribe of Judah. And he's going to come back one day and he's going to set up a throne and he's going to be a king. And guess where he's going to rule from? It's not going to be Washington, D.C. It's not going to be St. Petersburg. It's it's going to be Jerusalem. That's where he's going to be reigning from. So the idea that any Christians, uh, Christians should be tripping over themselves to get in line, to throw money at the nation of Israel and try to support them, and to pray for peace in Jerusalem and peace in all of Israel. And that peace, keep in mind, we're not talking about peace as in stop the fighting please we're talking about murder all the terrorists kill them all every single one of them so that they can never do 
again what they just did a couple of weeks ago that's the idea that's how you know you're going to get peace in the middle east uh the the only way you get peace with terrorists is by killing all of them so i hope the nation of israel does that i hope the nation of israel finds whoever financed hamas and they kill all of them Uh, i hope uh the nation of israel finds whoever sold the weapons to hamas and they kill all of them and i hope that they make a very clear statement to the world that if you mess with the nation of israel we're coming for you there is no safe place that you can hide we're going to come we're going to get you and we're going to kill you um, because they have the right to exist and they have the right to safety and security as a sovereign nation that's all i got caleb no i think that's good kill 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 you heard, you heard it, it here, here first on the bible on thumper, the bible thumper <laughs> podcast kill them all let god sort them out <laughs> well i mean it's they're asking for it i mean when you go when you when you go to war it's it's interesting how how people hold the nation of israel to this impossible moral standard because oh they're jewish or whatever well there's if they have you know a couple of civilian casualties when they go to fight back to protect their homeland then all of a sudden they're the they're the monster and anybody else if if it was india that went to to war with afghanistan and they there were some civilian casualties nobody would give a rip because who cares it's war war is messy you know there's civilian casualties stuff happens but all of a sudden when israel tries to defend their land everybody turns against them and uh i think that it's i think it's pretty so even if you look at even if you look at those that supposedly if you look at the british empire so when the british empire kind of gives up this this regional and it's and allows there to be a, a jewish state and then the i can't remember which um i think it was the hussein family that pushed back against it back in the 1920s and so they're like okay we'll give you we'll give you a, a strip of land to call jordan and then and now and now we need to ha- so jordan was whittled out you know a huge chunk of it or it's trans jordan or whatever it's called back then and that now we have um the the uh, the Gaza Strip, and we have what's the other um, the West Bank? I'm trying to think of the other the West Bank, yeah. So they got everybody think everybody thinks that every time that Israel gives up a little bit of land to try to make peace, they give up a little bit more land, and then then the terrorists live there and attack them, and then if they try to go fight back, all of a sudden the the terrorists that live in the region that that Israel gives up are now they're they're now the the victims of this war. Um, they're using their own people as, as human shields. And it's, it's very, very different. Okay. So if we heard that Israel sneaks in and doesn't attack military outposts, but they sneak in overnight to Gaza and they start going through homes and slitting throats and beheading people and climbing into bomb shelters and, and raping women and children and taking them hostage and taking them back. That would be a totally different scenario than what we have. But instead, we have a military operation where they're going after military targets. There's some civilian casualties. They warn the people. They drop leaflets. They say, get out of here. We're trying to go after terrorists that are hiding in tunnels under these buildings. And Hamas blocks the people in, doesn't allow them to leave their own buildings, and makes them stay there as human shields. So they are 
it, it's it's not an apples for apples comparison when we look at numbers. You can't look at death tolls and say, oh well, uh, there's more there's more Palestinians that have died than there was people in Israel. Well, good. That means Israel's <laughs> winning. <laughs> I mean, if if Israel wins the war, there should be more. They should be inflicting higher casualties. And until until Hamas gives up and lays down their guns, the only right thing for Israel to do is continue this war until they win the war. And however many people die, when you look at it from a a logical perspective, as far as the way that wars go, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be messy. There's going to be innocent people that die. It's terrible. Um, but that's the way. This is what they asked for. They poked the bear, and Israel has the right to defend their their homeland like any other nation does. And so not only should they go in and, and, and it, it, to me, it's not, re, it's not about retaliation and about an eye for an eye. It's about going in and taking care of and finishing, getting rid of, rooting out Hamas and however messy and however long that takes, that's, that's their plan. They plan to do it. And so I don't see any, I don't see any moral, uh, as a Christian, I don't see any moral objection to Israel carrying out the war that they're doing right now. That doesn't mean that I say that everything that Israel does is blameless and that there's not going to be some some things that happen in this war that I that I think that as a Christian you have to support every action of Israel. But as far as their objective, as a Christian, I think that the war that's going on right now is a justified war. It doesn't mean everything that happens is just, but it's a justified war. And I think that as Christians we should we should support Israel and pray for Israel and pray for them pray for them to win and pray for there to be peace in Israel because the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And it's not going to happen by babying and continuing to try to corral these terrorists next door and let it, let, letting this pro- problem fester for however, however much longer it goes on. So yeah, as a Christian, I'd say pray for Israel or go over there and see if you can get in with the IDF and help them out. Go see if you can kill some of the, the terrorists that came in there and I mean, the thing is, the funny thing about it is, okay, so if a guy came into my home and did the things in my home that were done in those people's homes, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't stand for it. I would protect my family. I wouldn't stand there and let my wife and children be be raped and and it would be over my dead body that that happened to them. But when it happens around the world to somebody else and we we see people all over the world applauding. We had BLM activists here in the US that were standing up and applauding Hamas. We had people, we have people in colleges all across the country walking out because they're protesting against Israel fighting back after this attack. So everybody's taken the wrong side. Almost everybody worldwide has taken the wrong side. They're they're they've taken they've taken the side of the terrorists and it's only a matter of time till it hits here. But just because it didn't hit on our soil doesn't mean that we shouldn't be just as enraged about it as we would if it was in our own homes. So yeah, either either pray for Israel or go go to Israel, join the IDF. And uh, help them out that way. That's my that's my two cents. Really, all that Benjamin Netanyahu and the IDF are doing right now is they are finishing the task that God gave to the general Joshua back in the days of Moses. After Moses died and Joshua was the judge and the prophet over the nation of Israel, he took him across the Jordan River into Jericho, and then he went about uh, getting rid of the uh, the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites. And he was supposed to completely rid the land of those people, and they stopped short. They didn't get defeated. 
they simply just got tired of fighting. And what happened is there were three areas in the nation of Israel, in Canaan land, that God gave to Abraham and his descendants. There were three portions of that land where they didn't kick out all of the inhabitants. And those portions of land are what we call today the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, and the Golan Heights. And they have been the thorn in the side of the nation of Israel ever since Joshua and his armies stopped short of obeying God and doing their job. So the way I see it is they are just finally getting around to doing what God told them to do thousands of years ago. Yeah. It's interesting that God would have, that God would have told them to do that back then. It's, it's, that would have been a messy operation back then. It's a messy operation. Now it still doesn't mean that we can sit here and armchair quarterback what's going on, you know, thousands of miles around the globe and, and, and try to somehow put, Israel in this impossible moral quandary where they have to somehow do the right thing and everybody else gets to do the wrong thing. Uh, war is messy. And I mean, I feel, I certainly feel for the people that are living in Gaza. There's children there that are, that have been indoctrinated, that are being used as human shields. There, there's people that are going to lose their lives that they themselves are not the ones that made these d- decisions, but it is where we come to and it's the war they've asked for and it's the war they get. So <clears throat> unfortunately, um, and we should be praying for the people of Gaza as well, for you know innocent civilians that are there, and uh, Christians that living that are living there that are going to become casualties. We cer- certainly need to be praying for those people as well. But as far as God's plan for the state of Israel, our compassion shouldn't overrule the fact that God has made a promise, and Satan wants to t- wants to see that messed up. He wants to destroy the nation of Israel and every everyone that's standing with that is cursed by God. And so unfortunately these people are, are cursed by God unless they come out. And I, I really would, I would like to see a lot of, a lot of people that are Muslims around the world come out and publicly make a statement that they denounce what Hamas has done, because if they want to show that they're so much different and that they're not the same and that they don't stand for this kind of stuff, everybody should be denouncing it and supporting Israel. And that's the way that they could kind of, um, cl- uh, clean the, clean the blood off of their hands, so to speak, with this, because, and, and it's, it's going to be hard to find that. Ben Shapiro the other day was at a college campus here in the U.S. having this debate with, uh, with college students, but quite a few of them were Muslim people that came up to debate him. And they kept over and over again saying how um, that the Palestinian people have, uh, that, you know, they're innocent, they're being oppressed, and that, that Israel that you know they, they would point out this casualty or this 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 thing that they th- thought was unjust or unfair but he over and over again asked each one of them so do you, what do you believe means peace for um for that region how much of israel can they have do you support a two-state solution so to speak the only all of them say no that they the only thing that they ever see as a peace plan is to eradicate all the jews get rid of israel wipe Israel off the map, push them into the ocean. And and none of them will will come out publicly and say, no, we disagree with this. That's what they all believe. And that's what most of the world sees. 90%, I'd say, of the world sees that as the solution. Uh, or uh, those that are on the fence are still going to go along with it. So it's rare It's rare to take the right side morally. But I think in, in this situation, even if it's messy as Christians, we should take the right side. 
of this it, conflict. It really makes me wonder how many of these people are actually born again Christians. Right. I I, I have well, no idea how born again Christians could could honestly be anti Semitic. It does. I mean, it just it doesn't compute. It the, doesn't the make sense to virtue, me. The highest virtue, though, as a Christian, is to be compassionate and to be nice, right? And war is. A uh, so. no. <laughs> but that's what's been taught in churches, and that's what's been implied, at least in churches throughout America for years, is be, is being politically correct, being kind, being nice, not offending anybody, and and so we've gotten to this point now where we have Christians that that. They believe that if something is messy and dirty and and whatever, that we have to choose. We we always have to choose the side of the underdog, so to speak. We always have to do the the nice thing. Yeah, kindness is the the greatest virtue. Yeah, and really, you know, what God wants us to do is um, is obey Him. That's what He wants. Right. And the fact is, anytime a Christian's going to obey God, it's difficult to do. It's unpopular across the board, every single time through the Bible. That's what you find. Every single person that obeys God, every single prophet, every single New Testament Christian, that that's all it is. It's, it's unpopular. It's difficult. It causes fights. It causes turmoil in society. I'm just saying that's how many phony baloney Christians there are in America. Now, keep in mind, there might be several that are true believers. They're just stupid and ignorant. I will never, ever underestimate the amount of stupid and ignorant Christians in America. There's a lot of them. Bless their hearts. Okay, Caleb, what else you got? Yep. No, if you're one of these people that Patrick just lovingly referenced, <laughs> uh, listening to our podcast, we encourage you to tune in every month, every week. Listen, no, um, I, I think that it's, I think that we're all stupid and ignorant to a certain extent, but that God's word is is still true to this day, and so it's probably good for us to take biblical consideration into our position that we take on stuff like this. So read your Bible and uh, pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I don't know if we said anything terribly profound tonight, but I hope Israel wins. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be all that encouraging for people to listen to on this episode and kind of help them along through their week. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that being an obedient Christian is oftentimes difficult and unpopular. Not just in this situation, but in every area of your life as a Christian, if God has been putting pressure on you to obey him in some area of your life, the odds are you have not wanted to do it because obedience would mean your life would be more difficult and unpopular. It's, hey, guess what? That's what you signed up for. If you are a born again believer in Christ, that's as good as it gets true okay caleb we're about an yeah. hour and 20 we're, how long you want to keep this yeah. charade up nope i'd um, I, th I think that's a good stopping point i was just <laughs> going to say we're also going to see persecution as christians and being nice isn't always going to work out 
So thankfully no. we, we live over here in a free country and we can sit here and critique what's going on over there, but it's, it'll be here. It'll be on our soil. Um, they're already pouring in across the border. Oh yeah. And who knows how long it takes till, till we have violence in the streets here. But, um, I'd say continue to pray for the peace of Israel, Jerusalem and the U S as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as the biblical end times gets closer and closer, as time marches on, it is going to be more and more difficult to be a Christian in every country. Like Caleb said, there is going to be persecution. So if you're not a serious Christian, if you are not a Christian at all, but you're just, you just been faking it, you know, in church to get along, um, you need to get saved. You need to get baptized. You need to start reading your Bible and you need to start taking this thing seriously because it's only going to get more difficult as we get closer and closer to the second coming of the Lord. That's for sure. Or if you just want, if you don't want the persecution, you just want things to be nice and warm and fuzzy. Just, just quit calling yourself a Christian and everything yeah, will be fine. There you go. You know what? The good news is most people don't even know that you're a Christian. So when the persecution comes, it's probably not going to start with you. So that's good to know. If you ended up being over in a nation right now where Christianity was illegal, there probably isn't enough evidence that the attorney could compile to convict you of being a Christian. It would be tough. They wouldn't be able to find it. So you probably don't have anything to fear as far as that persecution coming along. Right. Okay, friends, I got to tell everybody before we get off of here, please go to BibleThumperPodcast.com. And when you get there, you can find all the different places our podcast can be found and listened to. You can also find our Facebook page and YouTube channel. You can find an email address where you can send me uh, loving, encouraging, supportive comments. And uh, with that being said, uh, please join us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Uh, live on Facebook and YouTube. You can comment. Uh, you can watch these videos with us. You can be a part of the show. And then please subscribe, rate, review, share, like any video, any podcast that you hear from us. And it will help get this podcast out in front of other people. And with that, I'm going to tell you, please have a good week. And uh, yeah, let's see where this goes. And we'll be back next Sunday. I don't know what we're talking about, but it'll be something controversial and upsetting to many of you. Thank you for joining us, Caleb. Have a good week. Yeah, thanks for having me on.